You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello. Once again, Stephen Chicken, David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Uh, not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. Good. Should we do some banter? I don't think there's much to banter about. Football's very no. serious business, Steve. It certainly is. It certainly is. After this weekend, I'm sure a lot of Huddersfield Town fans will be feeling very much that way. Um, even going into today, Town were in the relegation zone. All the results went against them. Um, but we're not here to dwell on that. I think we've, we've talked about that enough. Town had a chance to pull themselves out of the relegation zone against Nottingham Forest at the City Ground today. You were watching the game, Dave. What did you make of the performance? It, it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't good. There were, there were some early signs of promise and then second half, it was just a bit of a capitulation, really, a bit of a collapse. And I think the Wigan game was... I, I mounted a bit of a defence for them after the weekend game because of the difference in the circumstances and how strange it is and how players had to adapt to that. But today was was different. Today was um yeah, was was not good. And they they started I think why it's slightly tough to take is they they actually started with a lot of promise. Um and they looked pretty good, but it was almost like the sort of confidence was just being worn out of them gradually and gradually and gradually. And then, unfortunately, coming in at half-time, 1-0 down with the timing of that goal was was a blow. But then the timing of the second goal just it, it revealed a slight lack of character, really, because there just wasn't a reaction there. Um, they just didn't, didn't dig in from that point. And... Yeah, I think when we get into it, it's it's difficult because there's not there's not many positives really. Um, you know, one or two along the way, but yeah, it's it's it was a worrying performance on a couple of levels, really. Yeah, I would agree with you, and I, I totally agree. The first half, uh, well, we know a Forest fan who described it as a, as two average teams playing average football, mm. um, but I think given how they played against Wigan. Uh, average was certainly a step up when it comes to Huddersfield Town, uh, and yeah. I'm not trying to be facetious there. Like that, that I think Danny Cowley would have been quite happy if they'd gone in at nil-nil. I mean, they should have had a penalty. We should mention uh, not to dwell on that too much, but it was it was a definite penalty for the foul on Alex Stonewaller. <laughs> yeah, Stonewaller. Uh, I mean, I mean uh, go on. It, it's worth just having a word about that because I think the part of the problem with that is I think Watson was really, really clever in that he immediately claimed for a foul against him and went out, which cast out. But the way Pritchard spins when he gets the touch and his arms are going up and he's shouting, unfortunately, I just think put a bit of doubt in the referee's mind. And I feel like if it had let the momentum just take him forward and down, he probably would have got it, you know. Um, I I mean, it was a stonewall pen either way. And at nil-nil in that point of the game, that could have made a huge difference. Um, 
but unfortunately there was a different turning point and yeah. that was the first goal really um yeah when i i think i should also caveat when i say there was signs of early promise they're still not clicking they're still not in a, a rhythm they're still not carving out clear chances but at least they were playing everyone was playing 15 yards higher up the pitch at least they were trying to be progressive where in you know the Wigan game they just didn't know what to do so they all just stood in lines really um but yeah that that first goal really seemed to be the turning point of the whole game for me yeah i mean they got that early let off uh forest hit the post after four minutes but as you say it was it was completely against the, the run of play i would say um i think town had not defended their corners superbly there was no. A particular tendency I noticed that Christopher Schindler always seemed to be the man that was running out to full back to get the second ball. So if the ball was played to the back post, which they invariably were, then it would overrun to the to the left wing if it was coming in from the right. And Schindler always ended up being the man going out to it, which is probably just because he was marking the back post. But it it meant that you had, you know, instead of having Jonathan Hogg say going out to, to the or D'Amico Dehaney or whoever going out to to cut out the cross. You ended up with Christopher Schindler, who probably you would want to have in the middle, helping to defend. And uh, it was a bit of a bit of a cheap goal. Andy King tried to get up, uh, and it and it just went over his head. He just, I think, he misread it slightly. Um, well, probably more than slightly, to be honest, um, and, and just couldn't reach it as a result. But yeah, but the- he was. To be fair to King, though, he. If you look at his starting position, he actually did quite well to spin around and try and get mm. anything on the ball. It was the fact that, like, it's a fairly rudimentary error not just to leave a, a big lump on the back post, you know, until the ball is properly cleared. And when you've got sort of Hogg and King caught under the ball <laughs> and yeah. your your big defender that you want there is out in the fullback position trying to close a cross down, it just, it all screams a little bit of, a plan that's not quite worked because you to, to give you credit, Steve, you pointed that out twice before it cost them that Schindler had been the man to go out there. So that was obviously a plan. That was obviously something that they, they thought would work, but I mean, it, like it was a terrific finish. It was a terrific finish, by the way, it was, yeah, you know, if that, if that drops to a lot, I think that only goes in five out of 10 times, you know, yeah. it was, a, it was a good finish, but it really did just immediately you could see a lot of town hearts and minds just deflate um and it was yeah it it, it all got a bit grim after that for me yeah and i think this is this cuts the quick really because this is a team that has now and then come from one goal down they've only won from behind once all season mm-hmm. um and which I think was Blackburn over Christmas. So then as soon as the second goal goes in, you know, that they've gone in and I'm sure Danny Cowley had had a, a halftime team talk prepared that he then had to rip up when Graven scored just before the break. Mm. But he will have basically said, look, you, you were the better team there. Play like that second half. There's a good chance we come out of this with a probably a one-all draw, draw, if not a win. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll keep it tight. Let's keep going. And then, obviously, Forrest score around a minute after after they kicked off. I mean, Town gave them the possession straight. It was Town's kickoff, and Pritchard just hoofed it out for a throw-in that, that gave Forrest the possession to go up the other end and and, uh, and get the goal. And I, I don't understand 
what the thinking was there because it wasn't like there was even anyone making a run. It was very, uh, very strange decision. But then Schindler got completely caught. I thought Schindler had a poor game in general, actually. Um, he, he was in the first half. He was really poor on the ball. There are a few times that he, he picked up the ball and, and cut into the forest half and looked up and, and tried to find a pass and wasn't even close to, to finding a man. And that, that happened two or three times in the first half, which I think... Uh, held town back. I mean, we've seen the last couple of games, Danny Cowley's made the substitution. They brought on Jan Stankovic for Richard Stearman to give them someone who can get on the ball and, and, and you know, push forward and do exactly that, push into the other half and, and, and help out with building the attack. But to be honest, it was Schindler that was at fault today on that front, not Stearman. And then for the second goal, he was just completely, he was out of position. And we know that, that, that Schindler's not, you know, the, the, the fastest player in the world, but he just didn't react quickly enough either. So, I mean, yeah, you, you could, it was one of those goals where you can see the guy bearing down on goal and he just, ah, this is 2-0. And at 2-0, they're, they're basically, uh, you know, they're out of the game entirely because, as I say, they've only come back from behind to win once and they've certainly not come back from two goals down. And they have a tendency this season, Town, uh, in their bad games and I'm thinking of the games at home to Stoke or away to Bristol City or at home to Cardiff if they if things really start going against them and they go to two goals down they just don't have any kind of response they they weren't as bad as they were in those games to be fair but it my point is that once you get to two, you're just like, even when it happens in the 46th minute, you're just like, well, they've lost this game. And and I think yeah. that's what's so frustrating for the fans watching at home, isn't it? Yeah. The, 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 it's the nature of the second goal as well, in that Town were caught playing so high that if Schindler goes for that header, he's got to win that header. You can't, you know, the minute he doesn't win that header, Town are a bang in trouble. But what I was quite shocked by was just his lack of recovery pace there. I mean, he's never been the quickest defender in the world, but Lewis Graben isn't the quickest striker in the world either. And it, they're just nowhere near, absolutely nowhere near. I mean, they, they'd still be running now and he'd be nowhere near. Um, and it was, it was sort of telling how high they were, the gap between the midfield and the defence there and just the space, you know, uh, at no point in a football game should a striker turn around like that and have a whole half to himself to run into. And that's basically exactly what happened. And it, it was just, from that moment on, it just got really, you could see a lot of, ta- a few town players were defeated. Some, I would argue, stopped doing the basics right. Um, and it just all became... Quite tough to watch at times. It was it, Forrest was so comfortable. Um, there was the king header off the bar, which was a, a really clever little header, actually, um, looking back at the replay. But, you know, apart from that, they huffed and puffed and they just didn't create anything. They got ESR on and he provided a bit of impetus, immediately creates that chance for, was it Grant, I think, yeah. um, cutting in. But yeah, it was just all—it was just all a bit tough to watch. It was all a bit inevitable, and Town are so—they—they've gone before the break. We were really positive, not about the Leeds game, obviously, but we made a point in that podcast of saying that ultimately Leeds United are an aspirational team for Town, whether Town fans like that or not at the moment. That's just the way it is. 
But all the good things they were doing, these last two games, they've stopped doing. And there's no... I, I complained under Jan and in the first half of that, the season that nobody was doing anything off adrenaline. And suddenly it feels like that again. It's all very slow. It's all very obvious. It's very difficult to find space if everybody's moving slowly around you because nobody's opening anything up. Carl and Grant has got a lot of stick today for his performance. And I would say... He was, even when Town were playing okay first half, he was so isolated. Mm. Three times Pritchard was in a fullback position and helping out a fullback. That's his number 10. That's who's supposed to be loading the bullets for him. And as far as I'm concerned, should never really be much more than a knockdown away from him. You know, he should be 15, 20 yards from him most of the time. Which it was apparent the first sort of 20 minutes, that's how it was. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mentioned to you on our WhatsApp, oh, every time Grant gets the ball, there's two or three players who are sprinting towards Grant so that there's there's always someone within five or ten yards for him to, to play off. Even Harry Toffolo was cutting in to do that once or twice in the first sort of 15 minutes. And then that just seemed to to stop happening, um, which was was strange that that they started and they clearly had that plan to get people on the ball and pack sort of the edge of that box so that you know, and get enough runners that eventually they'd be able to get mm. through ball to someone. But then they, they just seem to, to stop doing it. They they stop doing the basic things. And this is what I mean. I, when you stop doing the basics well and you couple that to having no energy or adrenaline, then that's a bit of a recipe for a, you know, a 3-1 shellacking, to be perfectly honest with you. And I just... Uh, I, I don't think the situation is irretrievable. I mean, I was looking on on sort of the bastion of common sense that is Twitter earlier, and a lot of people are um, pretty upset about it and think it's completely irretrievable and all this. I don't agree with that. I think there's there's clear and obvious ways you can improve this side, but it, it really is... You've got to find a way to get the dynamism back. One of the things that was so noticeable and why we were so confident Town were going to pick up and they were going to beat Wigan and they'd be fine was that they had this player, Emile Smith-Rowe, who took the ball on the spin and drove them forward. Every pass he made, he wanted to look forward. He was always there supporting either as wingers either side and getting close to Carl and Grant. That's what he was all about. And the, the big minus points of his game so far was we were all saying he should have scored more goals because he gets in so many good positions. And at the moment, you know, both these games, Town are struggling to carve out clear opportunities. They're struggling to turn pressure into anything that looks dangerous or, um, you know, ramps the pressure up on the opposition. And that's, that's a worry because... You've got to, it sounds simple, but to win games, you've got to score goals. And to score goals, you've got to create opportunities. You're not going to score every single opportunity you get. So Mm. you've got to create more than one or more than two. And at the moment, it just feels like if Town don't score the opportunities they're given, they're not going to win the game because they're not going to do it off their own backs, you know? Yeah, I would completely agree. And I think... You and I have both been very positive about Town's chances previously. And I think the reason for that is because when you're looking at things from a bit more, a little bit more of a, of a, of a remove and a bit more objectively as an as a invested neutral, I think we always call ourselves. Yeah. 
um, you're looking for patterns and anomalies. So if you've just had, you know, four good games and then you have one bad game, then you think, well, they've had a bad day here and there's things that they need to address in the next game, but it's yeah. the anomaly in this pattern. And yeah. I think I think the issue now is that where before, when they had bad performances like they did against Swansea or against Cardiff, we we were very, you and I were quite quick to say, yeah, but they played well against QPR, they played well against you know, and then later Bristol City and Charlton, and they played well against you know, they got a good draw away to Derby, and say, mm. look, that these these things are bad and it's still happening, but they are anomalies in an overall pattern of improvement. Where it feels like now, and it, I, I'm quite cautious to say this because it's been two games. And, you know, it's literally just enough to draw a straight line. It's not like it's... Yeah. Because I think Leeds, you're right off, I think, as far as for the reasons we talked about at the time, which are that Leeds were just really good on the day. They were Mm. top of the league. It was away from home. They're they're really good in the season. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And Town just couldn't handle them. They would have beaten anyone that day. And Mm. they had a three-month break before the, the next game. But it's now even taking the break into account... Well, whether you take it into account or not, it's a concern because it's the pattern now seems to be there are more or at least 50-50 bad and good games rather than yeah. it being mostly good games and a couple of bad ones. And that's that's the concern, I think. Because uh, yeah. if you'd gone into this game, if you'd gone into this set of fixtures and said, well, what do you expect against Forest? You and I probably would have both said, they'll probably lose that game and it's not going to define their season. So it's a bit harsh maybe to look at this game now a game that we probably would have if you'd asked us 10 days ago we probably would have expected town to lose or maybe get a draw if they played well um and say well they it's 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 a disgrace that they didn't win but it's the fact that it's indicative of this wider pattern i think that is the cause for concern yeah I, it town have got a They've got to get back to doing the things that were successful in those games you're talking about. Those games weren't figments of the imagination. They happened. Derby are joint with Leeds for most points won in home games. And Town are one of the only teams to go there and get a draw. And they merited that draw on the day as well. That Mm. wasn't, you know, (laughs) the, the Charlton performance was terrific. You know, Town were absolutely electric at times. They've got to get, uh, and a lot of it, I think, again, I, I hate to repeat myself, but a lot of it, again, is getting that energy back and getting that adrenaline back. It just all feels so slow at the moment. Nobody is, I think the dynamism, uh, Hogg isn't the most dynamic player in the world and he isn't the most forward-thinking player in the world and he isn't the most forward-passing player in the world. And I think that they've got to get uh, more of a balance next to him. I don't think... King is the answer. I think King. I think King should play in Hogs in Hogs position, if anything. Right. Um, I think you've got to get O'Brien back there, but also have a network around him so he's got a bit of support, so he can push on freely. He's not worried about leaving a gap behind. I think you've got to find a way to get that number ten near your central striker. I think if you use Campbell, we know they like Campbell to do a certain job, which is to press high and to chase the ball down, but. That can't be what it's all about. You've also got to have that trickery from a 10 and you've got to... I mean, Willock is really struggling at the moment because he's being starved of the ball 
everything seems to be going down the left side because of Harry Toffolo and because Town seem to think that's where the dynamism is, that's where the, the point of difference is. So you can see players immediately looking up and looking left because they know there's a natural overlap there with Toffolo that they haven't had with Simpson, who didn't tend to go much past the halfway line because of his his age at this point in his career. Dehaney tried, but obviously you've got it takes a while to change learned behaviour. And Willock was just so starved of the ball on that right-hand side that he ended up, he's another one who's come in for a lot of grief and I saw a lot of comments said, oh, I forgot he was playing, etc. But if you don't get the ball, <laughs> you yeah. can't change the games. And there's a player who, even in the Leeds game, looked like a, a point of difference. He looked like he was going to be uh, you know, a, a leading light going forward. And one of the key things in his good performances has been that ESR, or I think Liam O'Brien played as a 10 in one of them, has been up there and has been close to his wingers and has been trying to feed his wingers. And this is the problem. Town have got to find ways to go back to doing the things they know are successful. This is not... I don't think all of these problems, and I don't think the stuff we've seen today is terminal, but... If they don't wake themselves up out of this and find these ways and get back into those good habits and out of these bad habits, the games are the games are going by. And I still personally think they've got enough to pull themselves out of relegation because of how bad Hull are and because there's that Reading, Luton, Sheffield Wednesday run that I think Town could get six points from and that could be enough to be frank particularly with what may or may not happen with Sheffield Wednesday but if if they if they put in another really slow ponderous lackadaisical performance against Birmingham on Wednesday then you have to say they're starting it's starting to smell like relegation but smellegation yeah <laughs> but I, I, it doesn't have to be that. This squad shouldn't go down. The thing I want to come back to, Steve, and I want to know if it's just me, if it's just my read or not, if you agree, but just the, the, the energy level seems to be so far down. And I know saying you just you need to work harder is like a proper football man thing to say. It's a Tim Sherwoodism. Hmm. But I do think it, it's a worthwhile thing to say about town after watching that performance today. I do think they need to up the effort rate they were you know Forest weren't brilliant today they weren't outstanding they weren't you know lightning on the break or anything but they just outworked them you know they just the press was good they were organized they ran fast they put played quite high and when they got the opportunities they took them but to be outworked in a game when you had a sealed town that's not good is it or am I reading that completely wrong no and and you know, you and I are both. This is a the kind of criticism I think that that fans often level. That I think you and I, to be honest, quite sometimes see as it's a bit of a, a lazy criticism. They were clearly yeah. trying, and mm. I, I think it's generally fair to say you can't fault them for effort. But I think it's it's what I touched on earlier. It's it's once they went two goals down. Yeah, just that that as you say that just that it just Beat seems inside. not to be there. Yeah, they yeah. exactly. They just look defeated. And it's it's frustrating because they are probably going to need to find 
those reserves, particularly in that run you're talking about where it's dreading Sheffield Wednesday and, and Luton, particularly the Wednesday and Luton games. Because if Wednesday get a points deduction, they're going to be fighting for their lives yeah. uh, as much as anyone else. I mean, um, Matt from the other podcast that we don't talk about um, observed said to us the other day, I think it's the, the games against the mid-table teams are where you can pick up points because it's the teams that have that classic they've already you know yeah got their feet up and they've got nothing to play they're not going to reach the playoffs not going to get relegated those are the games that where the relegated the the sort of the bottom eight or nine if wednesday get the points deduction are going to be picking up points and i think we saw that um this weekend with the results the way that results went this weekend but with town you just feel like they're they're going to if they Danny Cowley's talked about it as scoreboard pressure and I think yeah. you can just see that in those games if they got to like half an hour and they weren't ahead they would start the way that they're playing at the moment they would get frustrated and the energy just saps out I mean they were a strange mix today of a team that had too many players that do everything themselves and I'm thinking here specifically of Caroline Grant and Alex Pritchard mm. because you mentioned that Toffolo's runs Toffolo made so many runs up that left-hand side that that and Alex Pritchard barely passed it to him and didn't even consider him an option. I think that's part of the reason the penalty wasn't given is because actually the better pa- the better play there to me was Toffolo on the left-hand side. But yeah. Pritchard instead cut inside to run into a crowd of three Ran players. Into traffic. And, and then, yeah, to, and then went down. So I think mm. if you're the referee, you're thinking, and to be honest, I thought this as well, you're thinking, nah, he was looking for that. He was looking for it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... <sighs> And Carl and Grant was the same in the, in, in the first half in particular as well, was um, carrying the ball distances that he probably shouldn't have been carrying it, where it's like just you're playing centre-forward now. You need to do that link-up mm. play more, which I think is why the Cowleys don't like him at centre-forward. To be fair, that they're not playing him there out of choice. So they know that that's going to happen when you play him. But it was, as I say, it was that strange combination of players who were trying to do too many things to themselves mm. and players not then when the score went against them, not taking responsibility and and being willing mm. to try things. I think Smith Rowe made a, a bit of a difference briefly when he came on, but um and as you say made that that chance for Grant, but by and large it, they just as I say, not to labour the point, just looked defeated. And they, they have did. to find that extra Yeah. They they've got a it, it's not easy either. This is this is my this is the slightly worrying thing. It's not easy to just say right. We've got to be more up for it because it's a it's a subconscious thing. It's a mental thing. It's not when I say they were outworked today. It's not down to a lack of effort, but it's almost like if if it was the back end of the season and it had been a sort of long hard season. Um, you would say, well, they they look mentally tired. But I just wonder if it's one or two players like Schindler and like Hogg, um, like Grant even, like Pritchard, who it's a hangover from being beaten up in the Premier League week after week after week after week, that as soon as they go a goal behind or as soon as the pressure just ups a little bit, they just go, well, we've lost this. And it's not easy to sort of overcome that it's not um it's not something they're thinking about it's as i said it's very much a subconscious thing and you you wonder if that's where your sports psychologist needs to come in and and try and get them out of that and try and get them back into a good place and to remember the good games because today felt like an echo of 
a lot of games in the Premier League, a lot of games under Jan, and even one or two games under the Cowleys when there were people in the squad and in the first team who quite clearly didn't really want to be there. And that's that's the worry. That's the worry. But they've just... If there's any positive to take from it, you almost feel like that second half might be rock bottom. Um, you know, I said after the Wigan game that surely it can't get worse than that. I don't think today was worse than the Wigan game performance-wise, but in terms of how it feels and the emotion from it, I think it is worse. I think it is more of a blow, in truth. So they really, I think they really have bottomed out and they've got to dig in on Wednesday. And it almost feels like they've got to go and do what they did when they went away to Stoke and got that first win. You know, even if it means containing for 70 minutes and then going for it for 20 minutes with the five yeah. subs to try and get a result, so be it, you know? Yeah, I would broadly agree with that, to be honest. And, well, I would I would completely agree with that, to, to be honest. I think... The, the the reason that this is that this is a concern despite the fact that on paper this is the game you would have expected them to lose is is as I say if they're feeling that scoreboard pressure then you you worry what the what the league table pressure yeah. must feel like and and the effect that that will have because yeah I mean if they if they can't cope with being two goals down then how are they going to cope when they're you know yeah if they I mean they're only in the relegation zone on goal difference at the moment that that's the positive and and Hull you know, two nil up and still couldn't buy a win yesterday. They're still not two nil up and three two up, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so, I th- I think Hull are, are dropping like a stone. I I quite like Luton, and and I said this to you a few weeks ago. Um, I feel like they might be able to lift themselves out of it. But I thought at the same time we were worried about Middlesbrough, but now they've got Neil Warnikin. That's that might change things. Yeah. Um, Charlton are doing but better I, than we thought they would as well. But I think it's important to say I'd be staggered if there was another weekend like this as well. I'd be staggered if there's another weekend where Town are literally the only team in that bottom mini league to not pick up points. Yeah, you know, I th- th- other teams will get defeated. There were one or two people saying, you know, well, I think everyone's going to get out of it and we might end up bottom and what have you. And it's like, no somebody will put a run together because that's what happens. But there's a lot of football to be played. And if Town got a win on Wednesday night away at Birmingham to take into that that Preston game, that's that's quite big. And I mean, I'm just looking at our very fancy yellow ticker here. And you look, there's some big games there for the sides around them. You know, Leeds v Luton. Wigan v Stoke is a big one. And Hull v Middlesbrough is a big one because you would have to say that I just can't see Middlesbrough losing that game now. So yeah, it's not all doom and gloom, but it's certainly there is there is things to be worried about there. Yeah, I mean the the, the fixtures that are coming up mean that if Town beat Birmingham, they are guaranteed to be out of the relegation zone in midweek because, uh, as you say, you've, you've touched on those those couple of six pointers that are getting played. Town would go ahead of at least one of those teams regardless of the results elsewhere uh, if they if they were to beat Birmingham so that's that's sort of the positive and yeah I mean we've talked about this before that other teams are going to drop points if only because they're playing each other um, yeah. so we've had half an hour I think there of, of doom and gloom but I think it is 
probably worth remembering that this is a team that can play well. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we we were for, for every. It was a strange thing, sort of, before the break because you had people saying. Uh, you know, I, saying that they, they were worried about town and the way that they were playing. But at the same time, they were saying, oh, but all the new signings have done brilliantly well. It's like, well, half the starting lineup is the new signings at this point. Yeah. So you can't say that they're playing badly, but the new signings are playing well. And I think we saw when the new signings came in, they lifted everyone else up to their level. And I, this is the worrying thing. Again, uh, having said that we move on from the doom and gloom, is just that feeling that they have almost been brought down to that level. Um, but this is it. It's, it's the, it's triggers broom, isn't it? The, yeah. they, they've changed everything and it still feels the same. And I think that's why mm. the fans feel frustrated is because it feels like last season, but, and, and we've listed this off a million times, but I think it's worth doing it again. They've got a new chairman, a new chief exec, they've got a new, yeah commercial director if you want to put any weight in that they've got they've been through two new heads of football operations they've changed the manager they've bought six new signings uh in january and you know they're all playing regularly or i think did they all start today even perhaps uh, well no um, yes i was on the bench one that's they? right they, they all i think they all played they made a lot of changes um, but it's still everything has changed. Yeah, <laughs> everything and... is changed. Even the players that have been there all the way through have changed mentally, and yep. they they've seen everything around them change. So it's a, it was always going to be a difficult season, a transitional season. But the problem that what you can't escape, and no matter how much we dance around it or try and find a positive, is the simple fact is that group of footballers should not be in this position. Town should be playing out games now till the end of the season, just looking to kick on next season. They should not be sat in the relegation zone on goal difference. They just yeah. shouldn't. And some of the problems are problems that are they've had historically. They're not. It's not like oh, it's just a load of new things that have come up. So, but anyway, enough of the doom and gloom. <laughs> Let's try and end on a positive note. They'll beat Birmingham, won't they? Yeah, I mean. You would hope so. I mean, if, if Hull can go 2-0 up on them, then Town could surely get to at least five, right? Um, <laughs> no, I mean, a <laughs> little bit facetious there. Um, yeah, I mean, they they would certainly be hoping to, to beat Birmingham. And I think now they, they kind of have to beat Birmingham because, mm. uh, as we said, there's seven points to go. They need eight. Um, and we were very confident that they would get to the eight because of the, the Cowley's run rate and things like that in terms of points. And, and now they're going to need to basically be at their, what their run rate has been. Um, without, and I think without exceeding it, it would still just about get them to the to the eight points that they that they probably need. Although you do worry a bit now that whether it might be one of those seasons where there's ends up with where there's three teams on fifty points and it might come down to goal difference or no, yeah, I, <laughs> but, who knows? Well, yeah, I mean it's it's impo literally impossible to predict, but. Um, I mean, the, yeah, as you say, they've got Birmingham coming up, which is a winnable game. And the pot, there are at least some positives to take out. I mean, the first half performance, again, it wasn't like it was a brilliant performance. But if they play like that for the rest of the season, they're probably going to win as many games as they lose. Um, yeah. And, and they have had trouble this season, I think, probably all season, bar a handful of games, with putting in performances that are decent but not amazing for the full 90 minutes. Um mm. 
but we we know that they can reach those levels again that's the the thing i just can't escape is going back to those bristol city game the bristol city game the charlton game and mm. as you say they've, they've got birmingham city who are beatable i think reading are beatable luton are certainly beatable sheffield wednesday i mean are, are not that far ahead of of hull when it comes to form I mean, even West Brom, I mean, it's it's a weird thing to say, but they could well be promoted by the time yeah. we get to the, the West Brom game on the penultimate day of the season. Um, and I think genuinely, in a behind-closed-doors game, that that probably makes more difference than, than, it, than it normally would. Yeah. Um, and and also, I mean, Town actually played really well against West Brom last time. It's easy to forget because they lost 4-2, but they were 2-1 up until an hour in, but the, the fitness caught up to them. Um, so there's certainly, I, I mean, I, to be honest, I don't have high hopes about the Preston game because Preston are exactly, as we saw in in the away game against Preston, exactly the kind of... They're going to uh, beat the, them up. Yeah, it's exactly the They're kind of team that I hate playing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like... I know, I know, we get a stick for criticising, but I'm really worried about Schindler in that game because he he yeah. does get beaten up way too easily, and Preston are going to come and be physical and be quite direct, and they're a good side ultimately. You know, they've got the thing about Preston that I like about Preston is they've got more than one difference maker in the side, so they're not sort of reliant on any one person. And yeah, the Preston game worries me, but I think if they get three points against Birmingham midweek then they've got a bit of leeway with Preston. But the problem is if they if they lost that game on Wednesday, they have to look at winning their three home games. And, yeah. you know, whatever you think about home and away advantage and all that sort of thing, they've Saturday just becomes absolutely massive, just becomes a proper pressure cooker. And this group of players at the moment are not good in a pressure cooker. Um, so no. I... I I think the the other thing I'd say is they need to trust their manager. They need to yeah. to to listen to what their manager says, to trust in him to come up with the systems that can help them. And they need to do what you know. To be perfectly honest, they need to do what they're told. And again, it's a bit of sports psychology, really, that they need to just have that level of trust in someone. In some cases, who isn't David Wagner, you know, and they there are different ways to win, and there are different patterns yeah. there are different things you can do and uh, like i say i don't think it is all doom and gloom but if they lose that game against birmingham then we're gonna have to seriously start talking about them being in big trouble and yeah. i think we have been historically quite positive on this podcast you know one or two people have said we've been too positive i don't think we are positive i think we're just a little bit colder and a bit more analytical so yeah. when the emotional side will says, well, that was effing rubbish. Me and you go, well, actually, you know, if you look at this, this and this, and if you look at that period of game, it's a bit different. But I think, you know, emotionally speaking, as I said, I think today was a blow. Today was a real blow. And the emotional blows are sometimes the ones that it's a little bit, it's, it's sometimes a little bit easier to bounce back from. Yeah. And it can be on the flip side of that a little bit harder to forget. And it depends which way town are going to go. So I don't know. I don't know. As I said, it's, there's there's quite a long way to go yet. There's quite a lot of football to be played. But I wanted to go on. Well, no, I was just going to say, but they've they've got to wake up. They really have got to wake yeah. up. That's what it felt like today. Just wake up. <laughs> yeah. 
I want to touch on something while you're on because this was your observation that I ran the numbers on, but it's it's yours really, which was the Cowleys actually seem to do better um, when they have less time between games. And I've actually yeah. I've, I've crunched the numbers on it. And on in games where they have had at least five days preparation from the previous game to the next game, their win rate is 23.5%. So they've won four, drawn four, lost nine of those games. In the games where they have three or four days prep, they win almost exactly twice as often. They've mm. won seven, drawn four, lost four. Now, when you actually look at what those games were, there is a bit of an explanation in that, uh, for that, in that that includes Stoke and Hull and Barnsley and Middlesbrough and Charlton, two games against Charlton. However, they've also, after less prep, drawn away to Derby. We've talked about how good Derby were at home beaten Bristol City in a game where they could have scored four goals. They beat Blackburn. Uh, so it's not just the, the games against the easy teams that they've, that they've won. And yeah. I think it is, there was a a bit of a, a feeling um, last weekend that the Cowleys might have been overthinking things a bit um, in the build-up to the Wigan game. And... And we've had that impression before, although we haven't necessarily always sort of vocalised it because it felt like when you're making a criticism like that, you want to be make sure that you're you're not sort of jumping the gun. But I think those numbers kind of suggest that they are probably at their best when, at least at Huddersfield Town, because their record at other clubs shows that their preparation is, you know, being so exemplary has paid off big time for them. But at least at Huddersfield Town, with the group of players they've got and the circumstances they're in, the games where they are more reactive and they're coming up with individual game plans with not much time to prepare might actually suit them better. So yeah. that is potentially a positive as well. Yeah. Well, I, I think their their preparation is always very astute and is a, a big part of what they do. And I mean, you only need to talk to the analysts and they will tell you that. But I think what a big part of football management is you basically want to get to the point where you have your game plan, you have your team and it's about making minor adjustments and you might adjust for one player or, or pull the side a bit higher up or what have you. But it it's becomes about just reacting rather than proactively going out there and having to come up with a plan and changing it from week to week and where do we play there and all that sort of thing. So, and I think what I've noticed about the Cowleys and when, when town have been at their best and on their best runs is they're workaholics and they want the games to come thick and fast. They don't want loads of time to stew on things and think on things. And it's it's something that afflicts England managers, funnily enough. The, the best England managers are always the ones who can just get on with it from a game-to-game game game basis and sort of leave it pretty much in between. The ones that have failed in the past are always the ones that, you know, if you go back right back to Don Reeves day, that think about it too much and they end up picking one side four weeks before the game. And by the time the game comes, that side's been picked 20 times. And it feels like the break has just kicked some of that just killed some of that momentum and killed some of that rhythm and it's allowed a little bit of overthinking I don't think it's just in the Cowley's head I think it's some in the players heads as well and I think when the games come thick and fast and they don't have to think about as much going into them and it's it's right okay win lose or draw on to the next one which is only in three days I think they will be better and I think they have been better the only thing I would say is that they <sighs> Town are quite a 
Christopher Schindler is a bit of a bellwether for the town side, as we know. And we've said this before on the podcast. When he plays well, town play well. And in all of those mini runs, and when again, when the games have been coming thick and fast, his form has been noticeably better. Um, you know, he's he's been up there. And maybe that's what he needs is a run of games that come thick and fast so he can stop thinking about his performance and get on to the next one. But if he plays like he has done it done in the first couple of games in the next couple, then that's a worry. Because as I said, he does act as a bit of a weather vane for the side. And he he I I don't think obviously he's still got the quality and everything else. It's not it's not something terminal, but at the same time he he must know his standard has not been it, it's not been like watching the Christopher Schindler that you know we've watched for the last three years and know what he can do you know yeah I mean th- there is another thing that we should probably talk about before we go which is just the things that have been going on off the pitch this week at Huddersfield Town we, we I think Phil Hodgkinson I don't think any of us quite expected him to to go on uh the other podcast and and Criticised the players quite as publicly as he Please did. Come on, ours. <laughs> I know. Um, and I mean, Danny Cowley's taken that on the chin. He says he, you know, everyone was criticising him, and as we said at the time, well, he, he didn't really say anything that everyone else wasn't already saying. Um, we then had some weirdness around around a suit, uh, which I think some people will know what that was about. That was utterly bizarre and, and probably isn't worth dwelling on. And then there was the thing with Danny Simpson um, and his contract renewal um, and, and Danny Simpson making that situation public by going on Twitter and saying he thought the club had, had acted unprofessionally. Lee Bromby then took that um, took that on the chin on on, on, on Friday uh, in an interview that was broadcast on, on Saturday morning on the, the club's YouTube channel where he basically accepted responsibility for for the timing of things, he, he acknowledged that the timing of the the Danny Simpson uh, contract negotiation and and saying to him, uh, "Look, we're not going to agree to give you an extra month's wages," um, could have been better than than doing it on Saturday morning before a game. Um, but that the club made a, a moral decision that they they felt was the right thing, which was, well, look, none of the other players who are out of contract are getting new deals, so we don't see. It's, oh, sorry, are getting uh, an extra, basically. Uh, an extra month's pay so we don't think it's right to to give you it either um but the fact that this all played out very publicly i I think has has probably not been great for people's perceptions of of the club and I, i don't let's put it this way i don't think they would have liked it to have been quite as as public as as it actually became do do you think things like that do make a difference or do you think we we read too much into that sometimes I think that I think they do to a point. I think they put things in the manager's mind more than anything else that don't need to be there. Um, and I, I'm I'm sure there's been. We don't know all the ins and outs. We can only sort of talk about the fa- the facts that have been given to us as facts. And yeah, it. The problem is, all of the things that have happened individually don't really matter. But if they all happen over seven yeah. days, then it's like don't look great and there will be better weeks I don't think it it sort of bleeds down into the players from the point of view of I don't think Danny Simpson's like turned a load of their heads and they're all fuming about Danny Simpson going all that I don't to join the foot clan but (laughs) but you you, there's no doubt that there will have been a discussion between you know Danny Cowley and the chairman that they may have been on opposite sides of but 
that happens. Yeah. Adults are adults. Adults can disagree and get on and work together, no problem whatsoever. It's just the 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 whole, you know, like performing so badly against Wigan, then Phil's Saturday night on Twitter, and then going on the podcast on Sunday, and then the whole suit business, which was just silly, and then the Simpson business, and then Phil coming off Twitter, and it just all looks like it's just all. The only way I can describe it is it's just a lot. <laughs> Yes, it's a lot in one week, and as I said, I'm sure there'll be I'm sure there'll be much better weeks where this sort of thing doesn't really happen. But I think it's worth saying if you look around that league, there is a lot happening at a lot of clubs. Yeah. Um, trust me, it's not it's not just town, and it's rare that a situation is sort of so movable on a daily basis as it is right at this minute. So these things will happen. You know, exactly just, what everyone, everyone's just got to be a grown-up, haven't they? That's the thing. That's it. I mean, I think if ever there was a time for things to be a little bit fraught and maybe people to have different viewpoints on things and different priorities, then certainly now um, is a more under, under, probably the most understandable time. It's it's difficult for everyone. And as you say, there's a, there's a, there's a few clubs that we know that this is happening at um, and I'm sure that there are plenty of others where around the championship in particular and in League 1 and League 2 where similar situations are are playing out between players and chairman, players and managers, managers and chairman, whatever yeah. combination you want to come up with um, where things are a little bit uh, on edge at the moment and you know, things will calm down and I think, I think you and I are, are both pretty united in, in thinking that the Cowleys are still the the right men for the job. I, I absolutely, yeah. I mean, I I said it on WhatsApp, and I don't mind making it public. Really, I think if you if you were given the choice between changing the manager and changing sixty percent of that squad, and I know which I'd do. And I, I'm not trying to be like massively disparaging on the squad or saying there's massive issues or anything, but. I think the Cowleys are worth sticking with, and I think they're project managers. They don't, they're not an Allardyce or a Warnock. They don't come in and it's not an instant impact, and you're off like a rocket. I think you've got to give them the rest of this season, and I almost think you've got to give them arguably another two transfer windows, you know, the summer and January, and even think that could be elongated in the circumstances because we just don't know what the next transfer window is going to bring. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would, I think you've got. Sometimes we're in danger of looking at it only solely as you know, are they right? Will they, can we get more out of this squad with a different manager? Who would you get? Who who on earth would get more from this group of players? Who what would be to gain in starting again right now with someone else? What are you going to give Hudson a job? Because I tell you now, all Hudson's going to want to do is try and carry on what the Gowlers are doing. He's not going to suddenly rip everything up and say, right, you know, we're playing 4-4, nearly said it, Steve, but I didn't, so you don't have to beep it too, uh, or, you know, or anything like that. There's nobody else really out there that would come in and you've got to think slightly long-term here. And I think clubs that do think short-term, it's like Middlesbrough. It's all right, Middlesbrough pulling out of, of trouble now because they've got Warnock, but then they're going to have all the squad issues they've got before and they've got to improve longer term and Neil Warnock is 71 years old and is not going to be there in three years time so I, I, I think it's worth sticking with a project manager at this point things could get worse before they get better let's let's be 
as brutally honest as you want about it, town could go down, but I would still stick with the Cowleys. I would still back the Cowleys. And I would. the thing about the Cowleys is I think they need players in there who are warriors. And I think they would take 11 average players who will give their all and play in a certain way and do as they're told over, you know, a team with three or four geniuses in because that's yeah. what they're about. And that town squad isn't like that at the moment, but in two transfer windows, it could be, and it could be a very different situation. So yeah, absolutely. And I think they have enough of those players to, to get them out of this as well. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I would echo basically everything you just said there. I, I think there, I think it would be, uh, <laughs> Anyone who who is calling, and I've seen there's a few in the comments who is calling for the Cowley's head. I think it's the Cowley's heads. I think it's completely. Just misguided. who would you, who would you get? Get yeah. bullet the Cowley's right now. Who are you going to get? Realistically, Huddersfield Town with the financial situation it is, with the squad as it is, with the contracts that are coming to an end at the end. Who is going to come to that club? Who is so much better than Danny Cowley, and who is going to be there for three years and is going to revolutionise it and turn it around? No one. Absolutely yeah. no one. And what you're going to end up doing is either paying far too much money for someone to come in who's going to be short term and, to be frank, could do an Allardyce and leave the, the ground salted behind them. Or you're just you're basically pinning your hopes to somebody who's completely untested. So it's not always about who is in the job. It's about is there a better option? And there 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 isn't. There is not a better mm. option. But even even taking all that into account, I think their record um, just speaks for itself and they, they've shown mm. that if you give them what they need... They need the re- time, yeah. Yeah, they need... Yeah, and if you give them what they need, they will do a job and they will do a good job. And, and it, But it's also worth saying, Steve, before the virus and the break, I, there is no way you can convince me that town would be in this situation. No. No way no. at all. Agreed. The way they were playing... The signs that were there, the way ESR was in that team, what the new signings were bringing, the way the the energy was there, the adrenaline was there. You can't convince me they wouldn't have beaten Wigan, as we know, and as people tell me. You're not convinced me that they wouldn't have gone to Forest and given them a game, and then they would have been going to Birmingham, and I would argue they'd be slight favourites to win it as well. So the break has just killed it all. Again, who are you going to get that's going to be able to manage that situation and just deal with it? No one. So, yeah, it's madness. That was uh, the less successful original version of the Ghostbusters slogan, wasn't it? Anyway, fantastic. Right, Dave, I won't keep you any longer because we're getting on for nine o'clock and uh, we've all got lives. My dog's going mental. I hope nobody's (laughs) heard that in the background. My dog's going mental, yeah. So I'm going to have to go and attend to her. Okay, well, I'll leave you to it. I'll put myself... There you go. You can even go now if you want, Dave. Um, no, thank you, Dave Hartrick, uh, for, for joining me uh, down the line. As as you can see on the screen there, examinalive.co.uk is the place to go for all of your updates, analysis, everything. I'll be doing the five conclusions tomorrow. They'll be out at lunchtime, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Dave, thank you very much for joining me. You're at David Hartrick on Twitter, aren't you? I am. I am. Lovely. And I'm at Stephen Chicken on Twitter. Um, So, yeah, fantastic. Thank you for joining us on the live stream if you're on Facebook. And thank you for listening if you're listening on the podcast as usual. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. (laughs)